You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. We've got a few few more days before Wake Forest pops on up to Pittsburgh to play the Panthers on the road. Love road games. Wake up. Uh, football team is not in the awakening just yet. They're getting right into classes right now. So there's not really a ton there. So I thought it'd be a very fun idea to do a little mailbag for today. So we've got a few questions from there. One of the questions actually talks about the, we'll ask about the Wake Forest football schedule. If you haven't seen the football schedule released fully on Wednesday. So the second half of this, of this podcast, we'll talk about just, you know, what that entails. Good, bad, high, low, left, right, up, down. What's going on there? Getting right into the thick of it, the first question of the mailbag is, why does the basketball team struggle in the second half on the road? I'm going to be careful about what I say here because I don't want it to be taken the wrong way or whatever. I think there's two main reasons. One is doesn't you don't know who exactly is driving the bus for Wake, which is a very similar problem to what Duke has right now to the a different extent you don't really know who's driving the bus there and i i don't know if you have an actual point guard right now that i think those two are are kind of intertwined but i think that really sticks out to me so when i mean like you don't know who's driving the bus i think you have a couple guys who want to do it i think you have i think booby wants to to drive the bus i think hunter wants to drive the bus cam wants to drive the bus i think Carr has like the seniority to do so because I mean he's I mean a car can can kind of take over a game and, and be just fine. You know, I, I think Efton could take over a game, but you also kind of have to be careful with him because of both conditioning still a little bit and also the fact that you know he's a little he gets foul happy. That's just it kind of is who he is at this point. You gotta figure you gotta figure out who's driving the bus here. You know, when things are going going bad, you know, and Efton's more of a calming presence in terms of like, hey, you know, look, everyone's chill out. I <laughs> I, I love that your center is someone that's doing that. He can't be the he can't be the only one to do it. Like it's, it's got to be someone's got to take the reins here, and that's where I think you know not having like an actual point guard is. And, and well, before I get to that, that that's where you know I think Hunter could do a better job of like, hey, look, I'm going to take this game over. You know, especially when Cam is not Cam has his rest injury. Like that's that's going to limit Cam a bit. But that, that's where I think a Hunter and you know once Damari starts getting further into you know playing more minutes i don't know if cam gets benched necessarily but like i there is a very clear path here especially once tamari is able to play more than you know 12 to 14 minutes a game and that's been a really really like they were not some some people were not happy like like medical wise they were not happy the fact that like hunter hunter damari played you know about 15 minutes on monday you know, they're going to, they're going to try and ramp, they're trying to ramp them up more and more and more. And hopefully, you know, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if the pit game is going to be the right one to do that, but I think, you know, hopefully by the end of that week or that next week, he can be in the 20, he can hit, he can approach, he can approach 20 minutes. If, if once he starts approaching 20 minutes and, you know, maybe getting a little over that, then I start thinking about, you know, how much do you, 
think about starting Damari, especially over Cam, who is just going to be limited offensively. Kind of is what it is. Like I think he's going to be, I think he's still a solid defender, but you can't really start Damari over him until you get until until Damari is able to play more than 14 minutes a game. Like you just can't start someone that can only play, you know, seven minutes a half. So but I think Hunter could do a uh, could do a better job of you know taking games over, especially on the road. And you no, know, I I thought he was going I thought he was going down that path against R.J. Davis on Monday, because if you go back and watch it, that first half he was matching R.J. tough shot for tough shot. Like they were though those two were doing were like okay, this is this is the matchup I thought we were going to have. And then the second half, R.J. continued to hit tough shots, and then you know the defense also just kind of quick started taking crappy shots, and then which, which we'll get to. Wake started taking crappy shots, put him in transition, and you know Wake's transition defense this year was all, that was the one thing from the beginning of the year. You can go back and listen to it, go back and read. Transition defense was going to be the thing that you know that was going to be Wake Force Achilles Hill. Like that was going to be the thing. That's the thing they just struggled with is transition defense, and you know I they they took some bad shots and put him in transition, and you know, that that left some easy layups and got RJ really going. Wake didn't get the same sort of thing on the other side. And, you know, Hunter kept having to take tough shots and the tough shots didn't fall for him. And that's kind of it. So they also need, and it's not pinning it just on Boopy. Boopy's got, but Boopy's got to be an actual point guard. Like he, he has just got to be an actual, I got credit to him. He he played, you know, he played well and, and helped them win that Boston college game on the road. He's got he's got to be more of a point guard. Like he he has got to be more of a point guard. He's been allergic to passing on the fast breaks, whether it's been at home, whether it's been away. Like reward your guys for running the floor. Like you have got to reward them for running the floor. Like it you can't it can't consistently be boopy time. I love boopy. I love boopy. I, I do, I do, I do. But it can't just be effort. I'm gonna get to the lane and then figure it out. You gotta be. You've got. You've got to be better with distributing the ball. And I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm. I don't have the stat in front of me. I wish. I wish I had written it down. But I am. I think that the stat I pulled the other day was. I think Boopy has like seven fewer shots than Carr and, uh, but then Carr and Parker combined. Do I think Carr could be more aggressive? Yes. Do I think Parker could be more aggressive? And like Parker, I need you to take some not wide open threes. I think that's his next step of development is someone told me that he, he thought he needed to take some bad threes. And it takes up, just take some, some slightly contested threes, man. You've got, you've got the shot. We saw the step back you hit, you've got it. Let it fly. It's okay. I promise you, you won't get benched. You're fine. <laughs> but that there's not really a reason Boopy should have that many shots on this team. Just sorry, not sorry. They're just, there just should not be. And especially because the, I have a feeling a healthy amount of them are you, know, you getting to the lane and saying, all right, I'm going to figure this out when I get here. And then, you know, you, you play a bigger team like an FSU or a, or UNC and those teams kind of stuffy and you're looking for a foul. And it's like, dude, like they're, you're just, they're just bigger than you. He's got, you got to trust your team here. You got to trust your team. Like, look, this is not central Michigan. There are people here that can make shots with you. You don't have to fully take over the game. Reward the guys that are that are running the running the floor with you, man. It's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. But and that's the thing. Where, that's where I go. That's not on coaching because the coaching can't go out there and dribble it for Boopy. They can't pass for him. They can't tell Marsh to, to get on the get on the block if he's playing. They can't sit here and say, "Hey, cool, man. You guys are going to miss every three. You're going to take on the road." Like they. You, they've got to like. I, could the coaches do a better job of, of? I think there's some. Sometimes they can just get Hunter and Parker a little more open. And Damari now, I think that is definitely a step in something. They're they look. They're like, hey, we need to do a better job of this. But sometimes it's like they're calling plays, and it's like they're like guys are just kind of freaking out. Like, there's got to be someone on that team that's taking the reins, saying, hey, I'm going to drive this bus. We're gonna we're gonna be fine. Let's go here. That's that's what they kind of need right now. And I think that's a. I'm hopeful that the UNC game was was a wake up call and not so much because I think when you have the games like FSU and NC State, you're more of like, you know, those are kind of like you know, whatever. 
in terms of like, okay, you know, we'll figure it out. It's fine. UNC is one of those games. I think you need to have a wake up and be like, oh, wake up call and say, hey, like, look, we have got to figure this out. We have got to calm down. This isn't a be frantic sort of thing. And that's why I try not to be frantic. Well, this isn't a be frantic and, you know, the sky is falling and all this stuff. We've got to figure this out. We got to, someone's got to be the person say, hey, I'm going to take this game over. We're going to do it and we're going to, we're going to win. A recent podcast said there is a process in place to keep basketball players for next year, aside from Hunter likely going pro. There are certainly going to be some departures, right? The next five most likely to leave after this season. I'm going to cheat a little bit and keep, part, keep Hunter in the running to be listed here just because actually I, I won't cheat. Fine. I won't cheat. Number one's Marsh. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to really beat around the bush here. I, I don't see a way. I don't see a path for him on this team next year. I, I just, I just don't. And it's not even the minutes. Like it's not even getting a ton of minutes. I don't really, I don't think those really matter in that situation. It's just the fact that what he's done in those minutes have just not been like outside of like the floor, the Florida game. You know what? Go. I, I gave him his props and I'll continue to give him his props for those. That was, that was great. Really needed. Helped you win a game against, against a solid team. The rest of his minutes have been awful, man. I, I can't get the NC state game out of my head where they're sitting here telling like calling a play and Marsh can't Marsh can't move fast enough. He just like, he like, he's just not processing it fast enough or can't look over to the bench and even see what play is being called. Like that's like, that's a problem. Like that is, that is a problem. And that is why that's, it's not so much that Efton Reed's just that much better. Efton Reed is that much better than, than Marsh, let it be known. But like, it's just the fact like that drop off is just so much. And that's what I mean. Like, I've seen people say like, oh, bench this person, bench that person. I don't know if Aaron Clark or I don't, I don't know if Aaron Clark or Jow are like at that level at this point. Like that's, it, there's a significant drop off. So if someone's playing bad, it's like, dude, like I, what do you want me to do? Play, play someone that can't get, that can't even look over at the sidelines and up the play is like, that's a problem. Like that's a, like, that's a massive problem. And so, like I said, I don't, I don't want to put that on on Aaron Clark or Jow, just because I don't, I don't think that I think I think Jow was just a little bit, and Jow's my number two right now. But I think you know Jow's a little bit behind with his with his injury. Aaron Clark, I don't expect freshmen t- to really do much at all. Like Parker is a surprise. Like we we don't. There's a reason people don't expect freshmen to, to do much. It's not. It's it's just how that works. It's why people go to the portal because they're usually more proven, more proven commodities. I said Jao was my number two. I mean, I, I I love Jao. I think he's an outstanding person. I think he's a really good basketball player. It's the injury, so like the injuries are just tough, and they're tough from both sides of the spectrum. If you're Jao, how much do you want a new, just a, a new perspective somewhere else? Like you've had two straight just injuries, and especially if you can't really rehab enough to play minutes. Like I didn't expect him to play in UNC. Did not expect him to play there at all. I expected him to play a little bit, probably 10-ish minutes in the Louisville game because I also thought that game was going to get out of hand. And I'll get to the net later because there's a question about the net. Hate the net. But if you can't really get into one of those games, and I don't really know if he's going to play in pit, you know, hopefully this, this well, I think it's what, eight, nine days in between, you know, UNC and Pitt, you know, he's ramped up enough to do that. But, you know, how much of that is, you know, he's just not the same person that he was when he was you know when before the injury because this summer he was very good but like you know how has he really looked that great in practice that's something i don't have the answer to right now you know i i I just i just don't have the answer to that right now you know if he and then you look at from forbes perspective or just wake's perspective in general you know if this is the second straight year where especially if he cannot come back and play you know at least 10 minutes a game to spell boopy you're basically burning a roster spot at this point like you're like you're just burning it and so i you can't do that especially if a, the healthy core of this team comes back next year like you know not even yeah freed and Carr and even hunter and cam and boopy or like you know everyone like everyone has eligibility to come back if you return 80 to 90% of your team next year, you can't afford to have another year where you're burning a slot on somebody that's just not playing. And it's no fault. It's not even, it's not hard feelings. It's just, 
That's the business aspect of this. If you're not, the best ability is availability. And right now, Zhao hasn't had that. And that that's tough, but like that's just, it is what it is. Number three is Keller. Um, you know, I think I put him right on the edge of Tamari as well, but Keller was my number three. And I think it's, I think it's pretty kind of clear to see. I think Keller, I don't know if he, I don't think he's hit a ceiling at all, but you know, how much, how much does he really want to play 10-ish minutes a game at Wake, even if Wake's winning? You know, how much do you want to play there? How are slot versus you know, going back to, I think Colorado could be a very interesting place for him where he could be like the second or third best, you know, player, like front court player there get 25, 30 minutes a game, go back home. That'd be kind of nice. You know, I don't, I just, I don't see him overtaking after next year. You know, if Marsh does leave, I, you know, I think they would bring in a big, how much does triple M progress over the next 12 months or so? You know, again, a freshman, like freshmen are, are weird, but how much does this triple M who's kind of had a little bit of a freshman wall at this point, you know, how much does he progress? You know, I get, I, I could very easily see Keller just not being here. And since we're like, okay, that makes sense. Damari's number four. And it's, I, I might put him higher. I want to see how the rest of the season goes because I want to see how the minutes rack up with him. If, if the minutes continue to rack up and he can push 25 ish minutes, then I'm, I, he'd be like number two. So if, if he can't really play, much then i can see there's there's value in him coming back if he if he can play 20 to 25 minutes a game there's no utility in him coming back next year so that's why i'm that's why he's on the list but lower just because i want to see how the minutes but like if he's if he's playing 20 25 he's gone like he's just you'll get a degree because it won't be there won't be much for him to prove they just they just won't be i think you could i think if you're awake you say hey let's how what's the number we would need to match here but i could i i he doesn't like school, which is fine. School's not for everybody. He's a he's a he's a fine student. I love that all the rumors were like, oh, he's acting like ineligible. That's that's just was that was never true. That was never beginning to be true. Just because he didn't like this school doesn't mean he's act he's dumb enough. To, Steve Ward would kill him if he was acting like ineligible. He would kill him. You would be you would see the Wake Forest basketball coach on the news <laughs> because if the if Demario was academically ineligible, that was that was funny to me. And five's Cam. Uh, I think Cam could have a very productive career overseas. And, you know, how much does he need to come back and to wait to do anything overseas? So, and and Cam's a little bit of a stretch for me just because I think that there is a, I think there's, there's a healthy, there's a good chance a healthy amount of these people come back, whether they make a tournament or not. I think there's a healthy amount of like, hey, like, you know, they, they think this core is very very good i think there's enough i think there's enough money to say hey let's let's get it going bring all these guys back so i i I feel fine there what are four football prospects just 2025 big fans should really pay attention to Uh, one would be defensive tackle terry nwabwisi azalea i i've i've had to try to work on his name multiple times he is a defensive tackle out if he's at i believe raven gap which is kind of like a boarding school esh sort of thing in North Georgia. They usually have a bunch of Power Five uh, prospects. Trey Horn, or wide receiver, Wake Forest was in on last year. Went there as well. Got offers from App State, Central Michigan, Charlotte, Eastern Michigan, Sanford, uh, West Kentucky. So you know, not, not the best offer list, but I I've said it before on here, maybe like a few weeks ago. I'm absolutely done questioning what if dave cohen tells me he wants a wants a guy all right man i don't care dave cohen has consistently put out nfl level talent no matter where he's gotten it from he wants a guy sure um terry has has said he has some news coming out soon he will be visiting wake forest this weekend yeah i don't know if this is a one plus one equals two but it's looking a whole lot like one plus one is equal to two right now We'll see. I, he's he is very very high on Wake Forest. You know, Cohen has been very aggressive with him. Sticking on the defensive line, Cole Funderburg. That's going to be a very interesting recruitment. I released he released top. He's from North Gwinnett, uh, same place that sophomore defensive end Tyler Walton is from. He released top five. That was App State, Georgia Tech, 
Indiana, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. I think App State would have gotten kicked out for Pitt because Pitt offered him right after he placed top five, and he, I think Pitt would be in there. I think this probably comes down, at least right now, to the ACs, to Georgia Tech, Wake, and Virginia Tech. No, Georgia Tech's making a very nice push to keep their keep the Georgia kids home. Wake always loves getting their Georgia kids in. I think Virginia Tech has some solid production on the defensive line, so he. I think those three have very much been like, hey, you know, he's I, I, he's a good prospect. I think he's got a high motor. I think he's he's more of a high floor, high floor, low ceiling kind of guy for me. I want to. I don't know how much more weight he can put on. I think he get up to two fifty, but I think he might be more of a of a drop in kind of guy at six three and a half. Really, really likes Wake. I believe, yeah, he took a unofficial visit last weekend to the game against Louisville. Very much enjoyed it. That was part of the junior day. I think it's going to be a fight, but you know, I think that's one where if Wake doesn't, you know, because things are always really fluid in the next month, but I think right now, you know, he said pretty well with Cole. That's going to be one where they're going to be in it till the end for him. Sticking in Georgia, wide receiver Garrett Kemp uh, for Hebron Christian Academy in De- in Decula. I have not I I have never heard of that school ever in my life. But Kemp can ball. He's 6'2, 6'3, 180. Kid can move for that. He he can play the ball really well in the air. Uh he's one of my favorite like wide receiver prospects in this in this class, not even that Wake has offered, but just in general that I've seen. So I usually try to take take some time to to go look at, you know, just people that aren't Wake haven't even offered or even on aren't even on Wake's radar just to be like, yeah, what's going on here? Wake was his first offer. Uh, that is going to be excuse me, they were his second offer. Uh that's going to be that's going to play a, a role because I don't really know how much George Tech is pushing for him right now, just because I've got a whole lot of other stuff going on. But that second offer is big, and you know he's been to Wake Forest a couple times. I believe he would. I believe he was in town for the NC State game, and still loved it. I mean, I think it was it was an ass weapon, but still loved it. Got up here for a junior day a couple weeks ago, and now we're starting to see like I, this was one that at first was like, okay, Wake might be able to like steal someone like Jeremiah Melvin. But then I know Duke has has come in and offered with the new staff, Northwestern, UVA, NC State, Indiana, Coastal, and then good old Lane Kiffin came in and with an offer a couple of days ago. You know, we'll see how much Ole Miss actually pushes for him, but he loves Wake, and I think this is one if if Wake, cause, and it's it's always really weird because I don't you don't really know how many spots you're gonna have year to year, but. You know, I think this is one where I think Wake has a very solid shot of winning out if the attention doesn't doesn't you know blow up. There's another guy that I thought about, Tyler Williams, who could ball. He's from I think Sumner, Florida, and I was like, oh, cool, I really like Tyler Williams. And then like this morning before I even recorded this, uh, Georgia offered him, and I was like, well, can take Tyler Williams off the list. You know, I and I usually don't like taking people off the list because you know a big school offered them, like, but. There, there are certain schools that, that I'm like, all right, like I gotta, I gotta take you off, and you know, Georgia, Oregon, Bama, Michigan are the ones that I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take, I'll, if, if you know, if they've come in late and offer them, I'm like, you know what, that might be it. Sticking with wide receivers, Carl Jenkins, he is another big, he's a bigger bodied guy. He is like not bigger, bigger, except more thick, 6'2, 180. He is the wide receiver of current quarterback commit Lachlan Hewlett. Uh, he, he's been very, very high on Wake since you know getting the offer. I've talked to him a few times. He's like, I'm fine getting out of the state. Kind uh, of would prefer it as well. Recently, he's picked up a little bit of steam on the recruiting trail. I know he's had offers from. So and and the offers I never really get too far into, but I like seeing I do like seeing who offers other people, and one of the one of the people that I love seeing people offer is well two people I like seeing is UCF 
and Iowa State. Those are two teams that usually have pretty solid wide receiver groupings. And so those two have offered him, obviously. I know that he's taken a he's taken a bunch of visits out to Wake Forest. I know Louisville was offered him, Syracuse, Mississippi State, ECU, Pitt, Coastal, FAU. So he's 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 blown up a little bit. I think Wake is, is not, I don't think Wake's cool on him. He hasn't come up for a junior day, but I think this is one where Wake is going to try to, once they get more into kind of the spring practices, they'll be able to bring him up. And I think he's going to be one that they're like, hey, come up and let's see if we can, see if we can get things. Uh, his quarterback has been on him basically every day to, to come to Wake. And so we'll see how that one plays out. The last one, a little bit of a surprise, but it is Jamari Deloach, who is a cornerback out of Virginia. And he's a little bit of a surprise for me to put on this list because he's currently crystal ball to Michigan. And I know what I just said. I'm on wait and see with Jamari. You know, he had only had two visits this spring period and they were to wake in Virginia tech, not saying Michigan wouldn't, wouldn't have taken him. They would have, because he's a very, very fast guy. Uh, I believe he ran a 1087 and a 1088 and 1089 last spring in hundred meter dash kick and move. Fourth in the indoor 300 meter finals of 3489, an indoor 200 at 2237 at national indoors. Like this kid can go. You know, if Jim Harbaugh had stayed at Michigan, I would have been like, look, this dude's just not no first list. You know, I think it's great. You got to visit. Fine. I would like to see, you know, I think they're going to hire Sharon more. I would like to see how the recruiting board differs with essentially whole new staff because Harbaugh is taking most of that staff with him. I want to see how the players react to it. I want to see how the, their boards react to, to this because different boards are going to have different things. And we're going to go from there. Um, he does like wake a ton. And, you know, I think wake is going to wake. It has, has, and are going to continue making roads in to Virginia, especially with ship West because ship West has a very, very long and detailed history with the state of Virginia and recruiting the state of Virginia. He Chip West's name, you can go into most Virginia high school football coaches' offices and they'd say, Hey, Chip West come together. Like they're gonna drop everything they do and be like, Oh, cool, Chip's coming in. Let's figure let's figure some stuff out. So that's got them a foothold in this one. We'll see if that continues. Next up. Oof. I, I mean, I kind of already answered what players who I think will not be on the roster, but I don't think Marsh will be here. And I'm a little bit lower on Jow on being here. That's still when it's dependent. Someone also did ask, you know, how many they think. And I think Wake will have three to four spots open. Um, so two to three, because one of those has to go to shoot next next year. So why are the net rankings bad for basketball and sportsmanship? How much time do you have? I'm keeping this underneath an hour, but so here's my thing with the net, and I've talked about this before, both on Twitter and just everywhere else. The thing with the net is, I think the discourse around it is also just terrible. I do, and you know, sometimes I, I'll kind of just shit post in there and, and do it. But the issue with the net is that there's just no cap. Like that is that is the problem. Is is I think there eventually should be a cap onto what there is. Because, and that's something that they, we do it a lot in football analytics is, look, once things get into garbage time, you can stop, like, we got to stop doing this. Like, like, at a certain point, I don't really care all that much about you beating, if you're being a team by 40 versus 50, I don't really care that much. I want to see 30 versus 40. I don't really care all that much about that. There's got to be a certain level to where you they're like this does not matter anymore and that's one of the biggest reasons why Jow didn't get into that game against louisville was because they were still trying to fight with the net they knew it they knew they had lost a spot or two and they were like look and forbes even said it after the game he was like look we're fighting with the scoreboard right now because we're not we're only up by 25 like we need to push this higher and higher that's a pro- like that's a problem when coaches have to think about that and it's not just the people in the bubble that are thinking about that. It's people that are head of the bubble that are thinking about that. They're like, look, I cannot pull my pull my starters as often as I want to to save them from injury, to get the walk-ons in, to you know, develop some younger guys, because they're having to sit here 
and think about, oh, no, I have to worry about this. Even the one seeds are kind of having to worry about that because they're like, look, I have to make sure I keep my one seed or else I'm going to get dumped in the net a little bit because, oh, no, I didn't beat this team by I beat this team only by 20 instead of 30. And like that's a that's a problem. Like that's a problem just because you, you're changing how everyone else plays the sport because they know they have to figure out in like game. I think it also sucks for the fans because if the ACC does change their basketball schedule next year, you're going to see a lot of crappy home games. You are going to see a ton of bad ones because it's something we've kind of figured out the last really this year is the way to gain a net is not have a really, really tough schedule and do, you know, kind of fine against it. The way to gain a net is to have a, you know, have your MTE and be completely fine with that. If it's hard, cool, it's not a well, the rest of your non-con garbage, garbage and blow them out by 50. That is how you gain the net. You know, it, you know, and granted, yes, every team doesn't blow up bad teams. Look at Louisville, look at, I don't know, Georgia Tech. I don't want to keep naming ACC teams, but I mean, look at, I mean, I don't know, look at Missouri. Even Kentucky didn't exactly, Kentucky lost to UNCW. Uh, You're not going to sit here and beat every team that you play, but that's, but that's kind of what's that. I think that's the next step in this net. And the net is, is, is teams are instead of them playing, even like your athlete for Wake or UNC or state, instead of you guys playing App State and ECU UNCW and all these teams that around you and it could have these this thing of community. I'm sitting here scheduling maybe high point for God's sakes because they're awful because they're god awful. But like that's what that's what you're what this has come to. Well, high point's a lot better than I thought they were. So I don't want to use high point as my example. But I can play Little Rock or I can play Sacramento State or I can play Bethune Cookman or North Carolina AT. That's a good example of a of one that's closer. But that's that's how people are gaining the net. And I think that's how people are going to start making their schedules over the next couple of years, especially if the net doesn't change. Because that's it 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 is now proven you have there is no sense in you playing a bunch of really tough teams in the non-con unless you are, you know, Houston can do it and Arizona can do it and you and UNC to an extent can do it. Tennessee can do it. like the top of the top can can do it but no one's really worried about like the top five or ten teams in the net everyone's worried about that like 10 to 35 range because that's that those are the teams that are in that q1 and so how do you game that you play a bunch of bad teams and you blow them out and that's so frustrating to think about because I can't have good games for my fans now because now I have to play Sister Mary the Poor and beat them by a billion. Come on now. Like that sucks. Like that, like that, that objectively sucks. I think it would have a lot more. I think it'd be a lot better for the net if one, there was a cap and two, just release the formula. Just give us the formula of what's going on here. Yeah. I, I think those two would, would help us go a long way of going, the, of, 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 of you know, being fine with the net. And then the quad system. I think the quad system is dumb because, again, the the NC State is the prime example of this right now, at least for Wake Forest fans. If Wake had beaten NC State a week and a half ago, that would have been a Q2 win. Like they were on the cusp. That would have been a Q2 win. But since they lost, it was a Q1 loss. And now, and then Wake all of a sudden had another Q, had another Q1 loss in their belt. And then, you know, it stayed kind of stayed around there. And then after they lost to UVA, now they're back down to a Q2. I, I don't know if there's a way you don't you don't want to like make it a picture in time because teams can definitely fall from grace. Like Gonzaga right now probably should not they are a Q1, but they they shouldn't be like a Q1 eight win to, for teams that had beat them earlier in the season. But uh, the quadrant system is just so fast and loose, and it, it really is just it, it's frustrating because I can beat a team that's you know 26th or 27th in the net. And think that's a Q1 win right now. Clemson is a, is a really good example of this right now. It is. It might be better for Clemson to beat Duke, to be quite honest, for, the, for like the entire ACC as a whole. It might be better for Clemson to beat Duke because Clemson right now is 32nd in the net. If Clemson wins, they're going to jump up. Duke's, what, 8-19th? They're not going to drop too low in the net. They'll be fine. There'll still be a Q1 win, a Q1 game for everyone involved. 
but it, it's better for the ACC technically for Clemson to jump up in there. And now you guys be like, oh, what? but you're playing these games. And that's just, it's, it's, I hate it. I, that, that part about it, I really, I really don't enjoy about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Let's go! It's the most all star studded challenge ever, and this time it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All Stars, new season now streaming on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, now we're going to jump into a little bit of football. Who are the football players you'll be monitoring most closely in spring football and summer camp? I'm going to go three on the offense and three on the defense because I think three is a very fun number. It's one of my favorite numbers. I mean, at offense, I mean, it's got to be Hank Bachmeyer. I mean, I, I don't know how you get around it. There's going to be a lot of eyes on Hank, and I want to see if, you know, being in a not dismal place, like, because I, I, and I think about it in basketball too, we really underestimate how much like, vibes come into account with teams. Like, I'm very, very much in the analytics, and, and you know, I, I very much like, hammer those. Sometimes they're just bad vibes, and that Louisiana Tech team last year had some awful vibes. Like, people thought Wake had some bad vibes. Louisiana Tech had some miserable vibes around them. So I want to see how Hank adjusts here with having just better receivers than he's ever had before. And I've said it, and I've said, I said it the last time I talked about football, you know, I think Wake Forest is betting on competency this year across the board. I think they're betting on, and I mean, because I thought Sam was a, was a high level NFL college quarterback. I don't think he's not an NFL quarterback. I think he he performed at a high level college quarter quarterback level but the problems were when he wasn't competent and you know we had the mail bowl when you had you know you had the ac championship championship game and you had it with mitch griffiths this year well last year where there were just times that he just wasn't being a competent quarterback wake forest system is very much a if you just make the reads correctly and work within the system whether it's the quarterback the running back the wide receivers the offensive line everyone does their damn job you're competent you don't even need to sit here and be a hero. Just, just be competent. Wake Forest is going to win seven, eight, nine games. That's just how they are. Just we don't even need high level quarterback. We just need we we need you to be to be here. All right. <laughs> so I think Hank is going to be the one. Obviously, number one that I that I'm watching. I don't want to say the entire wide receiving core, but I I want to see Walker Merrill, and I want to see. Deuce plus Micah Mayes. And I guess, honestly, Jeremiah Melvin, too. I want to see those four. Um, I'm making them, I'm cheating and making them one person. But I want to see who comes out and makes a name for themselves. Because Deuce was really, really good in practice. And, you know, he had a great catch in NC State. You know, now, you know, Keyshawn's not here. Deuce, it's your time. You you got to make a name for yourself. I think, you know, this is, I think they're going to, do their best to get Walker Merrill five games this year. Can you can you be worth it? Are you? I know you got hurt in the Virginia Tech game. You weren't great with them last year, but can you? Is the light going to come on for you, Micah? I know. I think Micah made some spectacular catches even against some first team guys and in, in practice last year. Are you ready? Like, can you be ready? Because if Micah can be ready, that changes the entire strategy of this year because now you actually have someone to like spell Donovan. Now you have someone to like not not just be a good receiver but to spell your now best receiver. And Melvin, I mean he's 6'5, 180. And he he came in at like 6'5, like 175, I believe. Like 
he is a physical specimen and he runs a four five. That can play if he come that that can play. So, and then Keegan Trost. I I want to see where Trost was because you know I, I think they're pretty solid on the interior. You know, and Trost was was the guy they brought in for the right tackle. You know, I want I want to see how the offensive line you know kind of kind of meshes. And I think Trost is going to be the guy. Can like is Trost going to be a right tackle? Can he play? Are you going to be able to put him at left tackle? Is it going to be Devontae Gordon going to be at left tackle and him at right? Does he need to? come in at guard and then you slide out someone like Matt Goldwyn to be your right tackle. You know, what does Keegan Trost do for you? And I thought that was like a lot of the, I don't think it was a, not a, a lot of the issue, but that was something I wanted to harp about. I harped about multiple times when talking about portal guys here on the site. Tackles are hard to find. <laughs> tackles are extremely hard to find. Like the, the kind of true tackles you saw on the portal aren't, are like we're ended up playing like are ended up like FCS or like G5 because everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. I think Tros is more of a tackle, a prospect than the other guys that we're going after. Like Luke Newman, he's going to Michigan State. He's gonna play guard there. Jacob Rizzi, who I know people were absolutely loving, and I, I thought it was solid. He's gonna play guard or center for Florida State. And you know, one of the big things on, on Rizzi was the fact that he wasn't he's not graduating until May. So he's not going to be on campus until late, which is a whole other set of worms in itself. But, you know, I think Trost was probably the, the Trost is the one that's, that's more close to being a, a true tackle than the other guys that were quote unquote versatile and, you know, could play some tackle, but it, it, it's, it's really tough when you, you're talking to like, and I talked to both of those guys and, you know, you get see people on on message boards up like, oh my god, he's gonna be a great tackle. He he graded out like this and this, and I go. Most people are looking at you at a guard, and, and that's for a reason, not because they don't need a tackle. Because everyone needs to. Ta- if 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 a solid if a solid starting tackle right now came to any team in the country and said, "I want to play for your team," uh, they a coach would make it work. That is how hard it is to find tackles these days. A coach would make it work at UGA. If you told someone, "Yeah, man, starting tackles in lot in in the portal and wants to uh, come here," uh, yeah, I think I think it started Jordan. Yeah, they would drop everything they they had, make a spot. Same thing at Wake. You know, if a starting tackle came in, they'd figure it out. It is such a hard position to 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 get on defense. It's a tie on the on the defensive line between uh, Mateen Ibiroga, the Georgetown transfer, and BJ Williams. Like I think this is kind of a make or break year for BJ, and I think they really, really are like, look, you you got to do something this year. It's kind of the reason why they brought in Mateen as well. It's just for this death and say, hey, look, we got to push you, and that's going to be a really interesting battle to see who's going to back up, who's really going to back up everybody on the on the defensive end sort of thing, but I think it's mostly going to be towards Jasheen's side of side of it. I think they like what they have with Carrington and they like what they have with Tyler Walton. So I think it's going to be an interesting thing there. But I think those two are going to have a very, very fun a very, very fun position battle. Aiden Hall. I mean I want to see how you grow up. I want to see how Aiden Hall grows up. I mean you have I think the only two the only early enrollees for linebackers this year would be Darius Jones. And then you Darius Jones, he's, he's came in a little more physical than I expected, which is cool, but I don't know. He's going to get some reps. And I think I don't, he's not someone I'm going to watch for, but he is someone that I'm like, I'm interested to see because you don't have a lot of linebacker death right now in spring. You'll have it when you get to the fall, but right now, you know, your linebackers are that are playable right now are Hazen, Quincy Bryant, Aiden Hall, your grad transfer in Branson Combs, and Darius Jones. So like Darius is going to get some like second, maybe first team reps, and that's going to be interesting. But I want to see Aiden Hall because I think they they know what they have with Dylan, they know what they have with Quincy, and you know, Quincy's re- Quincy really really came on strong the middle of the end of last year. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there would be a couple of days in spring where they're like, okay, Branson, Aiden, you two are going to be our first team linebackers for today. We're going to give Dylan and Quincy a little bit of a, just one day of, of that day. Go out there, show us what you got. 
I think they're really going to try to push Aiden a lot at that at that position. All of the corners, but especially you know, I I, it's the young guys. I want to see what this is. Jamari, Antonio, and Trayvon. Those three, and I guess Andre Hodge too. But those three are the ones that I'm like, I one of you guys needs to be one of you guys has got to show out. But one of you has to. I don't care who it is. Uh, one of you guys has got because I think they feel fine. You know, you you don't know how you feel about Capone just yet, but they got him for a reason. People, other people wanted him. Fine. Deshaun Jones. I know he had a that Duke game lives in infamy, but he was, was a solid corner last year. You feel good there, but you need you need a third guy. You need one of those one of those three to stick out. I would say Tayshawn Bernie or one of the young guys, but I, you know, again, freshmen. Those guys are going to compete. But I'm really watching like Antonio and Jamari and Trayvon. Like, hey, look, they got these young guys in. Let's see what you guys can do with this. So, yes, that would be who I'm monitoring right now. What's more likely to happen? Basketball makes the tournament this year or football goes to a bowl game? I think basketball makes the tournament this year. So that's where I'm going to sit. So I'm going to I'm gonna re- come back around on that one because I don't think – I think the schedule was fine for Wake to make a bowl, but – I think basketball has a more than a coin flip chance to make the tournament. Purely speculating, but I don't get the sense that Clawson is loving his job in the new CFB world. For argument's sake, if he were to step down after the season, who would be some top coaches Wake should look at? So I haven't gotten the whole... There are two things you're scared about hearing in, in when you're dealing with college football, uh, coaches. You always get scared about hearing he's never been more invigorated to to, to do to do things here because that's the coaching equivalent of I'm in the best shape of my life. And if someone tells you that, oh God, be scared. And you also didn't hear haven't heard that he's just tired and you know you don't you don't really know. That's like kind of the whispers you heard about Saban in the last couple of years, which was he's tired. I don't even know if he if he likes this anymore. I haven't heard either of those about Clawson. I think he he understands the severity of what's going on and has been pushing and, and a little bit late on some stuff, but now is like fully in it's fine but you know i also have it in my head that you know if in two to three years of dave Clawson stepped down even after winning winning some, some winning some games it should not surprise anybody so i have it broken down into two sections i have it broken down into current coaches current head coaches and current assistants uh john summerall at tulane is someone that might yeah bring him up came from troy did a very good job at troy i think he would do a solid Tech, solid job here. Troy Calhoun from Air Force. I I, I think that he, Air Force has been good. Charles Huff from Marshall would be one of my top, top priorities. I think he believe. I think players believe in him so much. And then from your assistants, uh, Jawan Sider from Penn State, the running back and co-OC coach. Aaron Henry from Illinois. I believe he's there, D.C. Slade Nagel, who was the OC at Tulane and is now the tight ends coach at LSU. Brandon Marion, who's the OC at, at UNLV. So outside of Calhoun, who's more of a, not authoritarian, but he works for a military school, that is what it is. Outside of that, the the guys I, I listed out there is, they have a, a similar theme. Similar theme is their players' coaches. Remember how I said like 10 minutes ago that vibes are a very understated part of football and basketball? Having a player's coach, I think, is more and more important in the era of NIL, and especially as we get more towards, you know, contracts or whatever the next step is. At a place like Wake Forest, you have to be, you have to understand both the academic fits, but also manage the relationships so much better than you do at bigger schools. At big schools, you can kind you still have to manage your relationships, but you kind of can churn guys out. If a four if a four or five star leaves Georgia, whatever, you're gonna have four more coming in next year. If a four star leaves Wake Forest, then you're like, okay, cool. I, I have to make sure I hit in the portal. I have to make sure I develop correctly. The managing relationships is very very important. And I look at Sumrall and Cider and Huff and Henry and Slade and Brent Marion. All those guys are guys that their guys would go to. All those coaches are guys that, that their players would go to war for. Absolutely go to war. I think Dave has def, Dave definitely bumps some heads sometimes, and that's I think that's breaking the news. Like the way he runs the program, 
has de- definitely rubs people the wrong way, both in recruiting and also on the team. And, you know, that happens. Not, he's not everyone's cup of tea. But also it's, he's commanded a lot, of, a lot of respect and that's kept people in the boat more than they should have. And so I think he's done a very good job now of maintaining these relationships and being like, hey, you know, I think earlier there were some missteps that definitely hurt, but I think he's done a much better job of that now. And now, you know, if someone leaves, I don't necessarily think it's the relationship they had with Boston. I think it's more of the, you know, they might just need a fresh new start somewhere else. You know, they weren't developing as well as they should have, you know, and sometimes like I very much don't like taking the approach sometimes when people leave that, you know, you know, they, they had, they hit their ceiling and, you know, they weren't going to get, they may, they may not get better there. And, you know, staff wasn't like torn up. There was definitely some plate, some people that I know people were very, very sad about leaving that I can very much say that staff was like, it is what it is. And their players that the players would also say that as well, which is a really, really interesting thing. And, you know, stories for another day, but so, I, so that's why I think if if when Clawson does move on to the next whatever, which is going to be retirement, because I know Dave Clawson is not someone that's going to be a, I'll leave this job for someone else. His wife would kill him. Again, vibes in the football team, vibes in the house. Dave Clawson's wife would murder him. Yeah, I think Dave would retire, but I think the, the next guy you hire has to be someone that is a very, very, very good relationships person. I think that's going to matter so much because you're never you also got to realize you're never going to be the most talented team that you play unless you're playing playing down and you're playing UNC you're playing Clemson you're playing FSU you're not going to be the most quote-unquote talented team out there you're not going to have a bunch of four and five star athletes that are freaks so you what, what you need to do you have a good game plan you need people to believe in that game plan that second part is very very important so it's been the last eight ish ten minutes here Wake Forest released their 2024 schedule. It is in order. A Thursday night game against uh, North Carolina A&T at home. Then they are at home on September 7th against Virginia. A Thursday home game against Ole Miss, which is homecoming. Why is that homecoming? I don't know. A bye week the next week. Four straight home games with Louisiana. Then they, on the 28th, go to Raleigh to play A&T State on October 5th. Come back home to play Clemson on the 12th. Go to stores to play UConn on, on October 19th. Next week, they go all the way out to the West Coast and they play their first new ACC member in Stanford. Have a bye week after that, which I think is important. Then come back on Friday and and play Cal. <laughs> Fun. Not going to be senior fifth? Maybe. Um, then they go to Chapel Hill on the 16th, November 16th, go to Miami on November 23rd, and then they finish the season hosting Duke. I have heard, and this is not from the players or coaches or anything. I have heard some, some grumbling about this schedule and I can get it. I don't love five of your first six games being at home. Not from a, I don't love it from a, I'm fine with it from a playing perspective, but from a fan's perspective, it's kind of tough because, you know, Thursday games are always hard for people to get to. But then once you get into really like October and November, when it starts, stops being a million degrees outside, you don't have a home. You have the home game against Clemson, which haven't been Clemson underneath Dave Clawson. And then you have a Friday night game, which I think could be fun against Cal. But, you know, Fridays are always, you know, for travel, for traveling out of, from out of state, it's difficult to get to. And then you have the week of Thanksgiving for the Duke game. So not only having three home games after October, after the clock, the calendar turns for October, not exactly fun. In terms of the football aspect of it, I think it's fine. I think it's ultimately fine. I mean, you should beat, should beat North Carolina A&T, should beat Louisiana, should beat UConn, should beat Stanford. I think you should be Cal. And then you kind of figure it out from there. And it's not, and and it's, and it's interesting because I think, I mean, obviously North Carolina A&T is to go game by game. North Carolina A&T is just, you're just a better team than them. Virginia, I think that could be, I think that'll be a fun game. You know, I want to see how Virginia gets through spring camp. 
know, I, I they are definitely they were definitely trending to be an agent of chaos last year. Now I want to see what happens to them after you know Bleak Washington only had one year of eligibility. I, I want to see how that how that goes. Ole Miss, I mean, Ole Miss is going to be a top ten team. I can't really project a win there. I, I, my hot take of this of college football season is going to be: I think Ole Miss will not be as good as people are going to project them to be. Same thing with NC State. I don't think either of those two those two teams are going to be as good as they're going to project them to be. But you're going to be you know significant underdogs in those games. It happens. I like an early bye week. I think it gives you a chance to reset and and go from there. Louisiana is not going to be a good team next year. They just shouldn't be. Again, I don't think state will be as good as people are going to people. Are, that win total for NC State is going to be ten and a half. It's gonna it's it's going to be ten and a half for a team that hasn't won ten games in how long? It it's it's going to be ten and a half. And you know, I want to see how state how state goes. I mean, you know, they got Grace McCall. They've gotten. They got they they got a bunch of guys that were second string at a bunch of other places and have brought them in. And I'm interested to see how that works out for NC State. Because and and there's the guys they brought in definitely have talent. They're division one FBS power five players, power four now. I actually have to say power four. Hate that, but they're they're P they're P4 players. Jordan Waters and Leslie Grimes. Like they're they're really solid players. But I want to see how that fits in terms of raising the you know the floor of who they are. Well, I guess raising the ceiling because we know who the floor is of NC State. They're a solid team, but can they get over that hump? Clemson's always just an interesting team to me. Um, I still don't believe in Klubnik. I, I don't. You know, it's the offense. They didn't really get better on the offensive line. They're going to get another year older. Should they get better there? I don't know. Secondary worries me a bit without Makuba. I lost a couple guys to the draft. You know, Khalil Barnes is, is, is a stud, but you know, you're still going to be relying, relying on, a, on some younger guys there. The linebacker stuff is interesting, but they still return a really good player in Barrett Carter. That defensive line is still going to be nasty with Mr. Chris Rumpf coming, coming in. You got him at home, so it's fine. UConn's just not a good team. I love my Huskies, but not a good team. I like Troy Taylor. I still think that Stanford team is a year or two away from being, for me being curious about them. They, if you, if it didn't like what Wake Forest did in the portal, I can understand that. It didn't get better for Stanford though. They lost a ton, a ton, a ton in the portal and including one of my favorite players in the country, their tight end, uh, Ben Yurasek. That dude is a monster. But they lost some like solid players and Gilman and Jackson, uh, safety Gilman, defensive lineman Jackson Moy and tight end Yurasek and Taryn Williams. Yeah, they they lost some solid EJ Smith. Uh, it, um, that that is Emmett Smith's kid. They lost some solid guys and only brought in two. So I mean you're. Troy's hoping on development. Troy, I think, but I think Troy Taylor is still a good hire from them, but I think Troy's going to be a year four kind of guy. Like that Stanford team is not, it's, you know, you're hoping for a solid, a solid quarterback play, maybe. And then you really are just, yeah, I, I really don't know like what, is going to be redeemable about this team. I guess, I guess, um, Io Manor, like they're a wide receiver who is very, very, very good. Um, he like Io Manor is very good. That, that, that's all I got for this team at this point. Like, that's like, that's, that's how kind of stripped to the bare bones this team was after David Shaw left. And even though they recruit really well, they, they were not good last year. And I, I was really hopeful for it. Pushed on the win total. It's not happy about that. Whatever. You go from Stanford to a bye week, and I think that's important. I think that's one of the smart things the ACC did. And, you know, give you a bye week after traveling cross country. Thank you for that. You did. You had some sense. And you also have a bye week before you have a short week game. Look at that. Wow. I'm stunned. You finally did something smart. You, it's not only that you have a, a bye week right after you go cross country, but you have a bye week leading into a short week game. That's astounding. It's it, it, it something that made all the sense in the world. 
I'm going to be Cal curious this year. I was a little, I was, I was curious with what they did in the portal because they, they were just not good at quarterback last year. They weren't. And then they ended up going out and getting from North Texas, uh, Chandler Rogers. And, you know, I, I thought Chandler Rogers was solid and, you know, got Chandler Rogers, Mikey Matthews. They got Marcus Harris, at corner there at Callaway. They, they, they went out and got about 11 transfers, which was really kind of shocking to me. You know, they did lose some, some pretty solid pieces from their, from their team as well. So I'm not exactly saying that, like they're not, they're not reloading super well, but they're going to be an interesting team. You know, I like that you have them at home and they have to travel across the country. I, the Chandler Rogers thing is really interesting to me and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but you know, I, I've said before, people really did not love the G5 quarterbacks and that included Chandler Rogers and also included, uh, also included Mr. Hank Bachmeyer. And I don't mean love, like they were, people weren't banging down the doors like they were to get, you know, Will, Will, Will Rogers or Will Howard or Cam Ward. Like, I think the, the G5 quarterbacks were definitely the step up from your backup at the P5 level. You know, they, it was definitely more, there were more people going after Bachmeyer and Chandler Rogers and like those sort of three than there were, say, Malik Murphy. But they also were just kind of interesting teams. And I looked at it from like a Curtis Rourke perspective. He didn't have that much, he didn't have that, that many offers. And it felt like Daquan Finn, who had, who was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch and, you know, really productive in the G5 level, didn't have a ton of interest. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the G5 guys are adjusting to this, to this next level. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how that happens. I have no earthly idea what to expect out of UNC this year. I, I have no idea. I, I don't know. You, you got a new defensive coordinator, but it's Jeff Collins of all, of all people, really? You replaced your quarter, you replaced your first or second overall pick in a quarterback for Drake May with a guy that's had issues staying on the field, which you no know, Hank has also had issues staying on the field. But Tyler Show has like has really uh, excuse me, it's not Tyler Show, it's um Max Johnson, who's even who has had even worse ones. Max Johnson has had a lot of issues staying like on the field, like a lot of issues. And he wasn't really great when he was on the field either. Like, and that I don't think there was any year that he was like, "Wow, like Max Johnson's going to be the guy." You struggled getting the offensive line in, and you lost Diego Bounds. Stuff. I I, I don't really know what to feel about this UNC team. You know, I I am I'm going to take a wait a wait and see approach with this team because it, it didn't look. I, I there weren't a ton of moves. From the only offseason that I loved. I don't think Mario Cristobal is a good coach. We'll see how Cam Ward does there. You know, the betting favorite might be Cam Ward's quarterback stock gets ruined because Mario Cristobal does that to quarterbacks. Enough of that. And Duke, I you know, Manny Diaz, I think Manny Diaz is a better coach than, than Mario, but they lost a healthy amount in the portal. They lost a ton. And I think kind of the problem with that for them is the fact that they lost Elko so late in the portal and like the season that they didn't have a chance to really reload. Um, you know, I think it was important. They got back Jalen Stenson and got back Chiquas Moore and Ryan Smith, but they still lost an ES Peoples. It was an insane DT for them. Obviously they lost Riley Leonard. They lost RJ Oban. They lost Dory Mousy. They lost Jordan Waters. Like, they lost Brandon Johnson, who was one of their better players. Like they lost a healthy amount of that team. And you know, I you know Malik Murphy. I think he has all the upside in the world. I don't know what he's going to be. I, I truthfully don't know what he's going to be. They were he was up and down. They got Javon Harvey, who I think is solid. Um, Jack Purcell. He didn't. I don't know if much about him in like in terms of like how much he's going to adjust to this level. So it's going to, and they lost uh, Grant Barton to draft. So I, I'm, they lost, I think they lost a healthy amount of their offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be something that I'm going to be monitor obviously during spring camp. And I never like making you know, full on schedule predictions. 
I think you can make a bowl with the schedule. I think, and I think that's, I don't think you're ever going to swing the pendulum back to going from four and eight to going, you know, 10 and two. Like I know Missouri just did it. I don't expect those things. I don't think Missouri didn't expect those things. Missouri fans didn't expect those things. I think it's unreasonable to expect that. That's why I always hate the situations when everyone's like, well, this team went from three and nine to the uh, 10 and two and whatever. It's like those teams didn't expect to do that. Like it's, is it possible? Yes, but you can't sit there and be like, yeah, you know, I want, I need this to be a three and nine season going to a, to a, to a nine and three season or a 10 and two season. Like that's, that's where that expectation comes in. I think the expectation right now is make a bowl, go from there. You know, I think it could be worse. I think it could be better. You know, you, you avoid FSU this year. You still, you still get Clemson. You still get Clemson. You know, if you could have avoided Clemson too, I would have felt a lot better about this, but you, you avoid FSU, you avoid Louisville. I think Boston College actually be decent this year, at least from on paper. Boston College might actually be decent this year. You avoid Virginia Tech. I think you got a solid draw of ACC opponents. Uh, you got you just got to do something with it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Always love doing these, and always good geeks.